All right, I'll I'll talk loud, but if you can't hear me, just let me know. All right, let me get situated. I wrote some stuff before we got here, just so I don't have to. I I, could, I learned last night I could have uh, my, my chalk talk game is lacking. You can't write and think at the same time, so I'll do that. So hey, um, I'm glad you're back. You know, it's, um, it's, I, I never take that for granted. You know, when I'm speaking, and so I'm glad that I'm glad that you came back. So praise the Lord for that. Um, hopefully you enjoyed last night. Hopefully, um, I'm, not, I'm not even talking about the preaching necessarily. I mean, I hope you didn't hate that. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. But um, I'm just talking about this time in general and, and, and everything that's going on, the fellowship that's happening and, and the fun and just the, 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 the time of refreshing um, that this is. So, uh, man, I, I had a good time. I appreciate you guys welcoming me, not only inviting me, but welcome, welcoming me. Um, it's been good. So last night we started on the theme that we're having for this weekend, um, which is how steadfastness protects our integrity, and that how our our mind is a gatekeeper to the heart. And that's based out of Second Peter three verses seventeen and eighteen. And today we're going to try to build off a platform that I at least tried to set last night. And so, um, so last night, in addition to you know trying to challenge you just a little bit, I did try to lay a framework and a foundation for some practical things um, that I want to look at today. Um, so this morning will be you know maybe even a little bit more workmanlike. We gotta we gotta uh, study just a little bit, um, and we're gonna go through two more attacks. So last night we kind of saw the framework how we have an attack. Um, and, and it is an attack on our steadfastness, but ultimately what that really is is an attack on our heart, an attack on our integrity. Because, because what, what Satan is after, what God is after, is our heart. But how the avenue to get there is through our mind. The battlefield is the mind. And so how we control our mind and, and, and the steadfastness, the integrity relates to our heart, the steadfastness relates to our mind. And so the answer is to be steadfast in, in, in the things that we talked about last night, like guarding and what we'll see um, later on uh, this morning. And so we saw that we are, in, in 2 Peter 3.17, that we are commanded, we're obligated to beware, to guard against being led away with the error of the wicked so that we don't fall from our own steadfastness. And we talked about how that means seduced or, or tempted. And when it comes to protecting our heart and remaining steadfast, that is the first attack we face, uh, is that temptation. And then we're at war against that. But then we learn from Jesus how to kind of handle that and the application of guarding, how we, you know, how we, how we guard is to learn the Word of God so that we can use it and learn it in our heart, not just our head, so the Spirit of God can use it when we face uh, those attacks. So now go ahead and, and, and be turning back to 2 Peter 3 if you're not already there. Because we'll see it doesn't stop there. It's, it's a progression. It's sort of a cycle that, that we're constantly cycling through in our life. And we might find ourselves in any place. They're not... They don't necessarily go in order, um, but there is a little bit of an order to them. And we'll talk about that. Because as soon as you decide to learn the Word of God, 
and you begin to have some success guarding against that first attack, then you're going to have to start battling yourself. Look again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just uh, come to You this morning and, and again we're thankful for, for who You are. We're thankful for, for just the, the time that we had last night and uh, just the, the opportunity to get away and to focus on You. So Lord, I pray that uh, in the midst of everybody's uh, tiredness and everything, Lord, that we can uh, set our minds to focus on You this morning. And I pray that everything that is said is true to your Lord and is glorifying to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter says that after you, you get past seduction, not that you ever you know, fully get past it, you're always going to have to deal with temptations at, at some level, um, but, but after you kind of get, get that at least settled and what, how you need to handle it, in addition to that, the second attack we deal with is stagnation. Stagnation or becoming stagnant in our faith. And so maybe you're dealing with temptation. Maybe you're dealing with just being in the same spot that you were before. You seem to be sliding in the wrong direction. That's why Peter says, but grow. But grow. He said, listen, you have to beware. There's, there's attacks that are coming our way, and there's this temptation that, is going, that you're going to have to face. So beware of that. Guard against it. But you can't stop there. Next, you have to grow. And so that's the answer. That's the answer to stagnation is to grow. So our, our key thought number two that we're going to start this morning is you have to understand that your heart and mind are at war with your laziness. They're at war with your laziness. Because at some point you're going to battle yourself. And that battle starts with stagnation or complacency, apathy, laziness with respect to the things of the Lord. I'm not necessarily talking about laziness, uh, you know, in your job or whatever. I'm talking about laziness as it comes to thing, the, uh, the things of the Lord. Because, listen, it's one thing to learn some things about the Bible. But you can't stop there. You've got to grow with the Bible. And in this last verse, uh, the last chapter of this book, Peter commands us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think this is interesting. And I think it's no coincidence that he starts with grace. And he doesn't start with knowledge. And that is so important because grace is the only foundation upon which true spiritual growth can occur. But that's it. Grace is the only foundation upon which true spiritual growth can occur. So our challenge this morning is to grow and to progress and to protect our heart as we stay steadfast for God by moving forward in His grace. So you build upon that foundation and you allow growth to occur in your life. 
And then you add knowledge. But it starts with grace. And to fully understand this concept, we have to recognize the principle of the Bible, recognize the principle of how God teaches us. And whenever God wants to illustrate an an invisible, heavenly, spiritual truth, He uses a physical, earthly, material example. God knows that we don't naturally understand the spiritual realm. And so what He does, He gives us clues about what is going on spiritually by illustrating it with things we go through physically. Uh, For example, again, you don't have to turn there. I'll have you turn to a couple verses, but most of them just listen. Romans 1.20 says, "...where the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." So God has given everything in life to remind us of Him. You know, for example, when Paul wants to talk about the discipline you need for your Christian life, he uses a sports example. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I, I, I apply discipline. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he compares himself to a runner and the discipline that's needed uh, to, to have success in that. So Paul was in training. And he understood and wanted to explain how important discipline was in the life of, of, a, of a believer in order to win that ultimate prize and get that incorruptible crown. Jesus used the same type of teaching when he, when he wanted folks to understand how, how um, you know, inconsistent, how, how much of uh, faithless it is to even worry. Because in Matthew 6.26, He said, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? He said, The birds don't have a giant eagle, you know, or a Walmart to go to, to get their food, and, you know, they can't roll up to a, you know, a Capitol Grill or a Applebee's Bar and Grill, depending on your taste and budget. Um, but they still eat. I still feed them. So don't worry, I will take care of you too. So God consistently gives us physical illustrations to help us understand spiritual truths. And and man, it's really cool, uh, if you think about it. And and when we're talking about integrity and steadfastness, overcoming our own nature, because listen, it is our nature to become stagnant in the faith. So we can get saved and we can begin to learn the Word of God. And just left to yourself, without steadfastness of the mind... You will grow stagnant. Without some decisions that you make, you will quit growing. Unless you make some decisions not to. Unless you are steadfastly minded. And so to to avoid that, he he does the same thing in using physical illustrations to show us how we can grow. And it starts with our birth. Right? Spiritually, we are saved by what? By grace. I think we can all agree on that. I know you guys are still a little bit quiet this morning. It's all right. But grace means there's nothing you can do to create your own salvation. John 1, verses 12 and 13, But as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so if you are saved here this morning, you were born of God, you had nothing to do with it other than accepting it. It was by His grace. You had to make a free will decision. 
And that same principle, that same principle applies in our physical life. A baby is not conceived on its own. Right? A baby has nothing to do with its own conception. And, and I don't want to get into the details of a baby's conception, but suffice it to say, the baby wasn't quite as into it as the parents were. But once that baby is born, a baby has a lot to do with its own growth. So with this concept in mind, that the physical teaching us about the spiritual, I want to look at what the elements of growth are in the physical realm that we need to be aware of so that we can grow in the spiritual realm. So that we can remain steadfast. This is the, these are the decisions we have to make where we have to set our mind that we are going to do this in order to continue to grow. Because that is the answer. We have to keep growing in the Lord. And if you, as soon as you stop, as soon as you, the things we're going to talk about, as soon as you don't do them, you will grow stagnant in the Lord. And your heart will be vulnerable. That is how it happens. So we're going to figure this out. But before we get into this too far, there's something very important you have to understand. Especially if you struggle, you say, man, that, that's an area I struggle with. Just being stagnant and, and just being consistently, you know, feeling like I'm consistently growing and, and progressing. There's something you need to understand. Because if that's you, I want you to know this. And this is something that I, that I mentioned even last night. You do not need anything new to make you spiritually mature. You do not. You have the Spirit of God inside you. You have the Word of God. You have everything that you need to make you spiritually mature. What you need is to develop what Christ has given you by grace. So if you're saved, you have everything you need. You're not missing anything. And and if, if you just look at the physical again, a child is born with a genetic code that supplies it everything it needs to become a mature adult. And there are steps necessary for that development. And we're going to look at those in a second. But a baby has what it needs to grow in its DNA. Spiritually, you have the same thing. And so that's good news. That's good news for all of us. Because when Jesus saved you, He put in your life a spiritual genetic code. And you now have divine DNA necessary to grow in the image of Christ. Because you have His DNA now through His blood. So we, we, you know, we're called to, to grow like Christ. Well, how do you know how do we do that? Man, we just continue to grow with the DNA that we have of Him. Second Peter one four says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That's your divine DNA, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." So at the moment of your salvation. You are given, you are, are placed in heavenly places, given spiritual blessings that provide you everything you need to become a mature Christian who, who, who looks as much like Christ as you can on this earth before you get your glorified body. Grace has supplied you that. So don't sell yourself short. You know, one of the main reasons why we don't remain steadfast in this area and why we don't just continue to grow. Because we don't believe it's possible. And Satan has worked tirelessly throughout our lives to try to convince us that we're not worthy, 
that we don't have it in us to live a life unto the Lord. Some of you may have come from families where your father or your mother didn't give you the example that maybe they should have. And you don't have a great example of what a godly father looks like in your life. Some of you may have been in a relationship where where your partner or spouse or whatever puts you down, brings negativity and negative thoughts about yourself. I mean, obviously there are just societal expectations about how we should act, how we should look. And we don't meet up to those those expectations. There's a feeling that weighs heavy on us. And we may feel like we're not good enough. And ultimately, I think we just know ourselves and know how sinful we can be. And know how we do let our integrity slip at times. And, and we let the, the enemy an entrance into our heart. And because of that, we feel like God can't love us and we really can't be used by Him. And I don't want you to fall into that trap. What I want you to do is be steadfast. Because you don't have to. Remember, we're talking about grace. And so grace makes you worthy. Grace makes you able. Grace allows God to look at you and see Jesus. And so don't say you can't, because when you do, you're saying grace isn't enough. And it is. So you don't need anything more. But how do we do it? How do we protect our heart from this, from stagnation, and steadfastly grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord? And the first element of growth that we need on both the physical and the spiritual level is is point one here. Growth requires food. Growth requires food. Now I think you can tell from our first point. We're not going to be performing brain surgery this morning. We talk about some basic stuff that we need in our life. But here's the thing. I want to give you a very practical framework so that you know these are the decisions I need to make. If I want to be steadfast in the Lord, steadfast in my mind so that I can protect the integrity of my heart for the Lord, so that I can be innocent in the face of the Lord, these are the decisions you have to make. And the first is growth requires food. And again, I'm not telling you any secret here, but a baby has to have food in order to grow. And as Christians, we do as well. 1 Peter 2.2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that she may grow thereby. So Peter knows we understand babies wanting to eat. I mean, there are, uh, you know, there are a handful of us, a few of us in here, uh, who are parents. And we are very acquainted with that, at least. So Peter uses that physical example of the issue uh, as the issue of spiritual growth. You only grow by eating. And this is very, very basic, but it is worthy of a reminder. Because what that means is spiritual growth for the Christian is guaranteed if you want it. It's just not automatic. Salvation is free by faith, but growth is no more assured to you than it is any child that you would you know, see in a commercial that's starving. There are things you have to do in order to grow. And again, you have all the equipment necessary in your spiritual DNA to do it. But you can stunt your own spiritual growth with improper nutrition. 
And improper nutrition comes of one of two ways. It comes from not eating or eating the wrong stuff. And the same thing is spiritually. You can stunt your spiritual growth by not feeding on the Word of God or feeding on bad doctrine. And that will stunt your growth. And, and Peter's analogy is perfect because again, even those of you in here, most of you aren't parents, but you still know about babies and infants. Um, so let me lay out a scenario for you. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning. You've had a long day at work or at home, wherever. And you get to bed late because you've got extra stuff to do around the house. And then all of a sudden, Something is wrong in the baby's room. And, and what's wrong is their stomach alarm went off. Those of you, some of you will get to be acquainted with this one day. The joys of parenthood. And you may be very tired. You may be in a very bad mood. And that baby does not care. They don't care at all. All the baby knows is the stomach says it's time to get the food it needs to grow. And that baby wants milk, and they want it now. And if you don't get up, the baby's not going to let you sleep. And you know, the first time he cries, you put a pillow over your head, hoping that he or she will fall back asleep. They never do. They never fall back asleep. They just cry louder and louder and louder. But Peter says, listen, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to to not become stagnant in your faith, be like that. Cry for, scream for the milk of the Word of God. You have to get fed. So make sure, if you don't know how to feed yourself, if you are still a baby Christian, and we'll talk about this, make sure somebody feeds you. That's discipleship. And it doesn't, because listen, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter how much you enjoy a church service. It doesn't matter how, how good you might look or how good the praise is. If you don't get fed, you don't grow. Amen. And, and you have to have food. If a baby is hungry and you bring it a stuffed animal, that's not going to work. It's just, they're just going to get more angry. And that's why this church, that's why the well is exactly what you need. Because the bottom line is this. The church does not do its job unless it helps you grow. And it does not help you grow unless it is giving you the Word of God. That is the bottom line. It really is. And, And listen, in this church, in First Baptist Church, in the well... We may not do everything right. In fact, we do not do everything right. But we do give you the Word of God. That's right. And that's why you need this church. That's why you need the well. That's why you need to bring other people in with you because they need it too. But listen, even though this church gives you the bottle, that won't help you grow if you don't drink it. You still have to accept it. You still have to ingest it. And let it do the work in your life. And you need to allow it to grow you up. You need to be able to grow in grace. Because then as as you grow, just like that baby, you can move past milk and move to solid foods. Which allows you to get bigger and stronger. 
And then you start feeding yourself. You don't always have to rely on mom and dad. But the problem in Christianity today is we have too many Christians who have been saved for a while. But they haven't graduated past milk yet. And they can't feed themselves yet. You know, Paul talks about that group in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and he calls them carnal. And he says, I couldn't feed you with milk. You're not able to handle it. And listen, if you have a five-year-old who's only still drinking milk, well, well, something's not right. You have to get to a point where your body needs more and that takes growth. And, and, and so you, you progress and then you've got you to gotta get, start getting some solids in there. And you've got to chew on those a little more and they're not quite as easy to digest. And you've got to think about it and you've got to meditate on it. That's how you know you're progressing. And sometimes we don't always like what we hear from a sermon on Sunday or from a, uh, on Tuesday night or when we're meeting for personal discipleship or, or you know, when, 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 a, when a leader comes and talks to us about something they see in our life. We may not always like to hear it. But, but the key is your response in those times. If you want to know how you're growing, you, the maturity that you show in those times is, is one indicator. Because milk is easy to swallow. But sometimes the meat, the, the, there's some harder things in the Word of God that are a little bit more difficult to swallow. But there are a lot of baby Christians today that all they want are, is easy stuff. Easy stuff in their sermons. And it's like, you know, what, what truck are we going to play with at church today? Now, I hope recess is long at church today. And that's okay if you just got saved. But if you've been saved a few years and you come to the church for trucks and recess, you don't want the science and the math. And you're not going to reach your spiritual potential. And that's, you know, uh, Paul talks about that when he wrote in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5. Again, this progression of moving from milk to meat. So we need to grow in grace and we need to graduate from milk to solids and to meat. And so take advantage. What that means is take advantage of the opportunities that this church provides you to learn the Word of God. Personal discipleship, MTT, LFBI. Wherever you're at on that path of growth, fit in some... Get on the path. If you're not on the path, get on it. If you are on the path, keep moving. Because the job of our, of our church is to, is to supply those things, but your job is to want it and to take advantage of it. Because there is no growth without the Word of God. It is just that simple. But, but let me clarify something. Because, because learning the Word of God is where we were last night. And that's not enough. Stick with me. I promise I'm not saying anything wrong. That's foundational. But just learning the Bible isn't enough. Because listen carefully to what I'm about to say. You can memorize the Bible. You can quote the Bible till you're blue in the face. You can read ten chapters a day. And you may, not, you may still not be growing. Why? Because the purpose of all spiritual growth is about the DNA. So the spiritual growth is a path to look like Jesus. So 
how you get there is, is, is to spend time in the Word, but that's not a guarantee. It's more than just learning. We're, we're going to look at that in a second. Because it's about drawing down the applications. It's about learning the Word of God and then drawing down the applications. Because if you're not drawing down the application of the things you're learning, that's like cramming for the final exam. And you know how you are in school. There's a difference between learning something for a test and then learning something for yourself. You know what the difference is spiritually? Here and here. And I know this isn't Christmas time, but let me give you a, a Twas the Night Before Christmas remix with respect to cramming for a test. It goes like this. Twas the night before finals and all through the college. The students were praying for last-minute knowledge. Most were quite sleepy, but none touched their beds while visions of essays danced in their heads. While piles of books and a brand new with, with piles of books and a brand new highlighter, I had just settled down for another all-nighter. On cliff notes, on crib notes, on last year's exams, on wing it and sling it, last-minute crams. And that scenario, you're not studying really to learn it. You're not living it and applying it. When you're cramming for a test, you're, you're just studying for a grade. And that may work in some of the classes you take, but that doesn't work in spiritual life. The goal for learning the Word of God is to grasp the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And grasping the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is how He lived. What He looks like. Because again, the growth that you want is is an extension of the spiritual DNA you've given. So your growth is conformance to Christ. And so when we talk about growing the grace, grace is a foundation, the knowledge, we're not talking about the knowledge that puffs up according to 1 Corinthians 8.3. We're talking about the knowledge of who Jesus was and how He lived so that you can look like Him. It's knowing Him on an intimate level. You know, 1 Peter, or 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, to become a steadfast Christian, to become a sincere, growing, developing, strong Christian who represents, who looks like, who has the characteristics of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't just learn the Bible. Learn the Savior. Learn Him as God. Learn Him as a man. Learn Him as your Heavenly Father. Get to know Him better than you do now. Learn a person and not just an, not just information. Again, this is the transition from learning it intellectually here and allowing it to penetrate to your heart. Learn it at that level, not just informational. Why? Because it needs to be a personal relationship, not just an informational relationship. So make sure you're feeding on God's Word, but do it in the right way. But you can't stop there because growth requires food. But next, point number two, growth requires family. Like we've said many times, you have everything you need for growth, but growth is not automatic. First you need food, you also need family. For a baby, growth cannot happen by itself. Because infants cannot produce their own milk or make their own formula. 
Infants can't cover themselves. They can only let you know they're cold. Infants can't solve their own problems. That's why God gave them a mommy. And you need parents to come alongside and help you till you can, till you can, you know, feed yourself and take care of yourself. Galatians six ten says, "As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith." And we are a household. We are a family. And listen to me. You need each other to properly grow. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul compared himself to a nursing mother. That was very interesting. But listen, one job of the well and the leaders here is to to create a nursery to raise you up, to help you grow. And that's why the Bible calls people in the church mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers because the physical analogy is the family. And everyone has their spot. And we all need each other. But just like in our last point where we have to provide a balance, we have to do the same thing here. Because the job of the church is to help you grow. But there comes a time when you need to grow up. And the responsibility of a parent is, is not to still be manually feeding their child who's you know, 20 years old. Unless, obviously, they're extenuating circumstances. But the job is to grow them up so they can help themselves. And so, just let me ask you, can you feed yourself in the Word of God? Can you handle the situations that life throws at you in a steadfast manner? Can you handle it? Can, can, you, can you feed yourself? Can you do the things that it takes to, to make yourself look like Christ? Because, like I said before, unfortunately we have a lot of, of 21-year-old Christians still looking for trucks and recess. And the Bible doesn't allow for that. Because just like a child needs to be able to graduate from milk to meat, they also need to be able to start taking care of themselves. And that's not to say family becomes unnecessary. Family just takes on a different role. You know, my parents don't take care of my physical needs. But I still learn from them. A relationship remains. It's just different. And that's how it's supposed to work with you. That's how it's supposed to work in the well. You all are at different places. And you can all learn from each other. And, 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 you, and that goes both ways. Listen, I learn from my kids every day. God teaches me something about Him in that relationship every day. And so we all have our spot. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, in, in one sense, it doesn't matter where you are. You are where you are. Okay. So just face where you are. Good, bad, or indifferent. Good, bad, or ugly. You are where you are today. So you can't control anymore what happened yesterday. But you can control today and tomorrow. You can decide today to start putting things in place to grow. So that means if you can't feed yourself, okay. Well, what do you need to do? You need to sign up for personal discipleship. You need to you need to, to you know be a part of a Bible study. Whatever it is, you need to get on that path of growth. And then you need to make sure you're at. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, but you know you need to make sure you're you're at places where the family congregates. That's important. And then, then you know, you'll get to the point to where you can help bring someone else along. And you're discipling them. That's how the family relationship works. And that's how you build 
this ministry. That's how you build our church. Listen, you're, you're it. I mean it. It's time for you guys to do it. And take responsibility for what goes on at First Baptist Church, for what goes on in the well. Say, man, I want to make a difference. I want to be a part of what's going on there. So, so do that. So growth requires food. Growth requires family. And growth requires one more thing. Point number three. Growth requires fitness. Because at the end of the day, you got to put in the work. And so, you know, you remember those first steps you took as a child? No, you don't remember them. You're a child. But, but if, if you're, for the parents in here, the parents remember the first steps their child took. And we remember those first steps. And it wasn't an easy process. And those kids, they worked and they fell and they struggled to get up and, and they're wobbly and, because why? The child needed to use muscles that had never used that particular way before. And it's this process of growing. And they were exercising because fitness was necessary to walk. So what did I do with my kids when they were learning to walk? You know, I stayed close enough to catch them, but far enough to let them try on their own. And I backed up enough so that they could be on their own. And I ran the risk of them falling, but I was close enough that even if they did fall, it wasn't going to be hard. And I was going to be right there. And that happens in the spiritual realm too. In the Christian life, this is called trials. And God says, okay, it's time for you to walk. So He puts you on a spiritual incline. And He puts something in your life that will make you have to stand up on your own two feet. And He allows you to be led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. And He starts working you out. It's not easy and it's not always fun, but it's necessary for growth. You may think it's too hard and you may be scared it's too deep. But like a loving father, God stands at the other side saying, come on, you can do it. Keep coming, you can make it. Don't stop. You can do it. Just like I did with my children. And you think, but God, you're too far away. And he says, no, if you fall, I'll be there before you hit the ground. It's time to learn to walk. And it's one step at a time. But it's important because one step means we're going to be able to move from standing to stumbling and stumbling to walking and walking to running and running to leading. And it's growing in grace and becoming a mature Christian who is able to be steadfast. So growth requires fitness. But here's the scary thing about that. Because God hears you this morning. And at least internally, He hears you agreeing with what I'm saying, those of you who happen to be agreeing. But when we end this refresh this evening and we go home, here comes the world, the devil, and your flesh. And so here comes the test. And you're going to get to put to get, put everything that we've been talking about into action. And you're going to try all this out. And God's going to give you the opportunity to grow. So you run into a problem and you get wobbly. And your boss is driving you crazy. Or, you know, you're, if, 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 if you happen to be in school, your professor is driving you crazy. Life is driving you crazy. And you're praying and you don't know if you can make it and you're asking God, where is He? And 
And He's saying, far enough to let you use what you learn, but close enough to break your fall. Is the process of growing in grace. Paul talked about this concept with the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Paul said we need to work out our salvation. Not work for your salvation. You cannot do that. Salvation is by grace and not of works. But once you have salvation on the inside, work it on the outside. You know, people who are already saved are to put in practice in their daily living the salvation that God has put on the inside. So don't just have and enjoy your salvation, live out your salvation. And work is a good word because it takes work. And you can't lay back in your bed and wait for Jesus. Remember, you're at war with your laziness. That's how you get stagnant. So once you're saved by God's grace, you have to work out His grace and you get to apply the Word of God as you learn the Word of God. It's like a math problem. What's 2 plus 2? Well, we'll work it out. All the ingredients to arrive at 4 are already there when I give you the problem. You just have to learn the equation. And spiritually, grace supplies two and two. God wants you to put it together in your daily life to end up at four. So are you applying the data necessary to come up with the right solution? God has supplied everything to protect your heart, to be steadfast in your faith. But here's my warning on this. Don't do fuzzy math. If you're going to do math right, you have to apply math rules. We have a lot of people mixing up Christianity and they want to add one part, you know, this is what my mama told me, with one part, you know, this is what my priest used to say, with, with one part, that's what I learned in college, and with another part, this is what I heard Oprah and Dr. Phil say. And then they want to mix all that in with what the Bible says. Listen, Christ plus anything equals nothing. But Christ plus nothing equals everything. And God wants you to do it by His rules. Add it up His way and it will work out. And I know it's not easy. Working out is hard if you want results. That's why it's called work. But by being a Christian and going to, to our church, you have a spiritual gym membership. And how many of you have an actual gym membership and you never use the tools in that gym? And we all know how crazy that is. But that is exactly what we do with the Lord. By being a member of this church and by being a member of the well, you have a spiritual gym membership. Are you using the tools that that gym has? Use them. Be steadfast. You won't grow in grace and in the knowledge if you don't. And maybe this has been a tough year. I don't know. But if you keep working out and you keep growing in grace, Jesus will meet you in the gym. He knows what it's like to go through some stuff Himself. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane working out some stuff with God before He goes to the cross? In Luke 22, verse 42, he says, saying, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from Me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He knows what it's like to go through it. He's been there. And He'll be there with you if you want to work out, partner. So stay faithful. Submit to His will. Grow in His grace and knowledge. Welcome His Word in your life to the point that you will obey it and apply it. And that is how you overcome stagnation with steadfast. And that is the application. To take His Word beyond an academic exercise and apply it to your life. So the answer to growing is to live the Word. So you got to... To live it, you got to learn it. you got to know it. And, and, and there's some things that you just have to know. And that's why this application is to this attack. Because listen, listen, temptation is a direct attack that needs a direct response. And that direct response comes from the words of the Lord. So if you know the Word of the Lord, if you have it, if you've memorized it, if you've meditated upon it, if you've hit it in your heart, then as soon as those attacks come and you can pray those things back to the Lord, what you know, you can take what you know, the knowledge that you have, and you can use them against, against the enemy. But growth is a process. Growth isn't a direct attack. Growth is over time. And if you want to grow over time, you then got to take what you've learned and that you can directly use against the enemy and then you've got to begin to work it out. So you've got to feed yourself, you've got to, you've got to spend time in the family and then you've got to work it out in, the, in fitness. And you've got to live it. And that's how you apply it. You work it out and that's the progression. And you'll see God work in your life. And, and, and even if He doesn't work in your circumstances, when you start living the Word of God, you're going to see God doing some th- things in you, man. And you'll see growth. And you'll, you'll, it's like that mirror. You'll, you'll look, wake up one day and you'll be like, well, doggone, I do look a little bit more like Jesus than I used to. Well, praise the Lord. Well, guess what? When that happens, the next attack comes. Yeah. And I promise this one will be coming. This I'll be quick. Because when God is working, there's, there's a tendency for us to think, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty good. I've grown a little bit. And I've got some things down. And so the last attack you're going to face, that, again, that, you know, that you'll always be going and cycling through these, is self-admiration. And like I said, we're always cycling through this. But this last piece is the hardest piece. Because this is the pride. And I didn't explain this, but the, but the lust of the eyes is here because it's, it's our focus. It's what are you focused on? Are you focused on growth to be looking more like Christ? Or are you focused on the distractions of, the, of this world? That may not even directly tempt you to sin. So temptation is dealing with you know, direct sin. The lust of the eyes is, man, what can I spend my time doing that just isn't about the Lord? And it's just going to stagnate my growth. And it's just going to keep me from you know, the, the time I need to invest in, in, the, in, the, in the Word and in family and in fitness and those things. You know, I'm going to invest it in something else. And your eyes just get you distracted 
with what with what you're doing, and that's why you gotta you gotta live it out. But but pride's the hardest, man. Yeah. Pride's the hardest. So key thought number three is this: you have to understand that your heart and mind are at war with your love of yourself. We back at Second Peter three eighteen one more time, and we'll be able to move through this quick. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Both now and forever. So you see that second sentence. It says, to Him be the glorify. To Him be the glory. So the attack is self-admiration. The answer is to glorify. Understanding who deserves the glory. And to glorify our Lord and Savior. And every time, every title for Jesus has a specific meaning. And, and so there comes a point in your life where you can't be Lord anymore. He has to be not only your Savior, He has to be your Lord. And that is how you glorify Him. And again, let me, let me show you this real quick. Because we always talk about the mission in the context of the Great Commission from Matthew 28. And, and that's 100% correct. That is our mission. But, but really there's a deeper layer than that. Because the Great Commission is just the mechanism of how we fulfill what God is really about. And that's bringing Himself glory. So it, it, it goes deeper than the Great Commission because God is about Himself. And I mean that in the most righteous of ways because He can be. He's God. But listen, listen. It's always been about a kingdom and a throne. Amen. Always. So there's a theme of your Bible. theme of your Bible isn't salvation. The theme of your Bible is a kingdom. And there's, there's one king that can sit on the throne. And Lucifer wanted it, and so do you. And so do I. And, and that's what this whole thing is about. Who is Lord? Who is the King? Who does get and deserve the glory? So our purpose is to live life to give God glory. Now again, we do that by living out the Great Commission. But at the end of the day, it is about God's glory. That's why we are saved. For His glory. I mean, I, you know, the... I don't know, where's the verse that the children are the, 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 the father, the glory of the fathers or whatever. And there's some, there's some interesting things in there. But we are saved for His glory. So if you think that through, we're saved by grace. And therefore, what that means is God gives us grace for His glory. And somehow we always get that twisted because we think God gives us grace for us. The grace is applied to us, and oh, praise the Lord that it is. But if, if this really is about a kingdom and a throne, and it's really about who gets glory, when God gives us grace, it is for His glory. So if you want to live out your purpose in life correctly, you shouldn't just accept God's grace and then stop there. No, you should accept God's grace and then employ it 
in order to extend God's glory. You are to be an extension of God's glory in this world. So we need to employ it. That means we get to work. It's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Working out our salvation. The grace that we've been given should drive us to give our life for the Lord's service unto the Lord and give Him glory through that work. That is how you connect the blessing of God to the eternal purpose of God. The blessing of God is God's grace. That truly is a blessing to us. As a, God's grace is a blessing to this world. So you want to connect the blessing to, to, to the purpose. And the blessing is God's grace. The purpose is God's glory. So what does that mean? In practical terms, what does employing God's grace in order to extend God's glory really mean? Well, it means you have to do something. You can't just attend church. You've got to attempt church. Why? Because if you are God's, if you are a child of God, then you have to understand that your life is about that eternal purpose of God, not your own. So when God blesses you by showing you grace, and he, if you are saved, He did that. Grace for salvation. Grace for a situation. Anytime He shows you grace, He doesn't only give it to you because He loves you. Because it's not just about you. In fact, the main reason He gives you grace is because He loves Jesus. And He loves Himself. And they're one. And understand what I'm saying. He absolutely, certainly loves you. He loves us more than we could understand. But that is not the only reason for His blessing. You see, our problem is in living our Christian lives like that. Where we make it about us, where we are the end. And so grace comes and it stops with us. And we seek the blessing of God because we want the attention on us and we want God showing us love. That is self-admiration. We can't think like that. We have to protect our heart and remain steadfast for Him. Because the problem with that philosophy is it makes the center of the Christian life you. And that is wrong. The center of our Christian life has to be God's glory. Amen. Giving God glory with our lives, that is the purpose He started with, with Adam in the garden. And this principle is so important because it permeates every aspect of our lives. Because the last, the biggest fight we will have the rest of our life is with self-admiration. And so when we fall from our own steadfastness, it's because we love ourselves more than we love God. And that's just the bottom line. And like I said, it permeates every aspect of our lives. Even portions we might consider spiritual. I'm telling you, man, Satan's got us fooled. Let me give you an example. As many times, even our attitudes towards fighting sin is more self-centered and self-oriented than God-oriented and God-centered. And I say that because we become concerned about our own victory over sin more than we are the fact of how our sin grieves the heart of God. You see, what God wants us to do is walk in obedience and not fight for victory. And you have to pay attention to that because it's very subtle difference. But it is important because obedience is oriented towards the Lord. Victory is oriented towards self. So, I mean, this is where 
victory ultimately comes from. So the attack is 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 it comes through steadfastness, but it is it is on our heart. How we answer, how we guard it is steadfastness in the mind. And where you gain ultimate victory is through obedience to these things. But you but but the key is again, it, it's not this. That will come. This is the key. Be obedient to the Lord and victory will come. Amen. You don't have to fight for victory. And like I said, that's subtle, but, it, but, it, but it's, very, it's something we need to pay attention to. So you don't have to struggle for victory. Just be obedient. Victory is a byproduct. So obedience is the key. And we don't obey like we should because we don't take sin as seriously like we should. We don't take the attack as seriously as we should so we're not steadfast. And we don't take working with the right perspective, giving God glory seriously enough. So even in our work, in our Christian life, our focus becomes internal. And a lot of times we don't even know it. So like we were talking about a second ago, when God blesses you by showing you grace, the main purpose is so you can turn around and extend God's glory through it. So turn over real quick to Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 11. Verses 7 through 11. Paul speaking here in Ephesians 3, verse 7. He says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And to me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. Why? Why was that grace given? That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's why. The grace wasn't about Paul. The grace was so that he could, so Paul could be the extension of God's glory as he preached among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make... Verse 9, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be, might, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I hope you see this beautiful picture. God gives us grace so that He will get glory. But if His grace is just stopping with you, and we are just happy that God is blessing us, how does God get glory out of that? Listen, that's self-admiration. And I know you look good in that mirror. But your job is to extend God's glory. We have to share the blessing of God with others. We have to employ His grace. That means put it to work in our lives. So that we can extend His glory. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's what our life is supposed to be about. That's where He gets glory. And so if that is true, that means your life is about Him. It means my life is about Him. And God created us to be conduits of Him. That grace is supposed to flow in us, and out of us to others. That's what the Bible says. We won't take time to look there, but Colossians 1, verses 16 through 18. It says, We're created by Him and for Him. And it's God's eternal purpose glorifying Himself. 
So we need to understand what our role is as, as the creation, as an extension of His glory in this world. And we could go on and on, but this concept is all throughout the Bible. Let me just give you one more example in case you still don't believe me. And this is a very popular passage. And these are all passages that you know we are familiar with. We can quote many of them. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19-20. through 20. And we looked at this on Sunday mornings not long ago. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He says, What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So then what should I do? Should I just enjoy? I mean, I think we can all agree salvation is a blessing from the Lord, right? Okay, so what should we do? Should we just enjoy the blessing? No. You should plug into the eternal purpose of God, right? Look at it. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How do you glorify Him? You glorify Him if you, if you just keep His grace to yourself. So you get to work. You glorify God. And that is how we employ God's grace. Not just enjoy, but employ so that we can extend God's glory. Because if we're not doing that, then we don't really understand what the Bible's about and how we're supposed to use it in our life. You have a purpose. And it is the greatest purpose imaginable. But you have to put aside your self-admiration and protect your heart so that you don't backslide. And what that means is you have to love God more than you love yourself. And listen, that's the final war, man. And it's the final application. You probably know where we're going. The third attack on our integrity and our steadfastness is self-admiration. The answer is to glorify Him. And the application is you have to love the Word. You have to love it. You have to love Him. I mean, we know from John 1.1, 1, 1, 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, places that Jesus is the Word. So you have to learn the Word so that, man, so that you can just get off the ground. And that's where Satan starts, man, just trying to keep you down. And so if you know the Word, you, you can at least fight back and you can pray those prayers back to God. But then you got to grow. And you got to, man, if you, if, you, if you don't start living what you're learning, you become stagnant if you just allow your eyes to get off and get distracted on everything else. And you're not going to grow. You've got you to keep learning the Word of God as you apply it then. And as you apply it, you'll learn more. And you'll grow. But man, at some point, at some point you've got to fight the hardest fight you're ever going to fight. And you've got to love Him more than you love yourself. And you've got to love His Word. You can't just learn it. You can't just live it if you ultimately want to give Him glory with your life. You have to love it. You're going to love something. You're going to love yourself or you're going to love Him. But not only, again, is that the application, it is the greatest opportunity and the greatest privilege you have in this life to love the Word of God more than you love yourself. Love Him. Love the Word. So as we close, let me ask you, do you? As you look at your life, can you say that you love Him more than you love yourself? 
I mean, or, or where do you fall on this? Are you? I mean, do you need to learn the word? Or maybe you learn some of it. Are you living it? Maybe you're living it, but you, you still don't quite love it. You know, I want you to find yourself on this chart. You know, because ultimately, this is where ultimate victory comes as you progress down through this. Find yourself on the chart and then decide that you're going to learn, you're going to live, you're going to love. And if you make Him the center, make the Word of God the center, then you'll ultimately find victory. You'll ultimately find victory as you are obedient to Him in this life. And you'll be steadfast. And you can be innocent in the face of the Lord. You will protect your heart and, and be able to give your heart for Him. But it's a choice. And like I said last night, if not you, then who? I mean, there's a job to do. If you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? And if not now, then when? If you're not going to start today, when are you going to start? You should ask yourself those questions. He's worth everything we've talked about last night and this morning. You just have to decide for yourself. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You. And, and, um, and we, we want to love You even more. And we want to not only learn Your Word, but we want to live it out in our life so that we can put down the pride that we have inside us um, and, and, and love You uh, more than we love ourselves. Lord, help us to, to get on that path of, of conformity to Your Son. And, and Lord, just so that we can look more and more like Him every day because the more we look like Him, the more glory You will get out of our lives. Because that means we're living. That means we're loving. And so, Lord, help us uh, in the areas where we need help. Lord, You are a great God. You are worthy of it all. And so, Lord, I pray that You just continue to work in hearts and lives um, here today. I pray for the rest of the time together and just the fun and the fellowship and this family time that's so important and so necessary. So, Lord, I pray that um, You use that uh, as well. We love You. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.